or through a study from this dead old white guy, theo theologian in the past, uh, whose name's Arthur. He says that belief and faith translate the same concept. And in the study, we took the Greek study, so in the original New Testament, original manuscripts, uh, we took it and they are both just verbs and nouns for a concept that is really no different in Greek to English. And that concept is taking people at their word, trusting what they say is true. So define faith is a confident belief in the truth value or trustworthiness of a person, idea, idea or place, or a thing. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think, describes it the best. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. So faith is believing in God and trusting in his ways. The theme of faith is found throughout the Bible. From the authors of Hebrew, Jude, James, all of Paul le Paul's letters, Old Testament, New Testament, it's everywhere. But today we're gonna look at two types of faith that's found in the Bible. The first, the checklist Christian, which Paul warns us against. And the second is the lazy Christian, what James warns us against. So to start off, let's go to Paul. And this is found in Galatians 2.16. And it says, know that the person, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by works or by faith in Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, Paul is dealing with a community that were legalistic. They base their faith on the Levitical judicial system, otherwise known as the law. They were trying to use the law to gain favor in their salvation and towards God. Paul countered this error by pointing out that salvation is by faith alone in Christ and not in the law. It's about being, or it's about believing in Christ, what Christ has done for us, and that we don't have to reconcile the relationship. But faith alone does not save. That's not what Paul's saying. We are saved only when we place our faith in the right person, Jesus. There's three times throughout this passage that faith is mentioned. And every time it says faith in Christ. You can have faith in other things. Faith in a spouse, faith in yourself, in whatever it may be, job security. All that does not save. It's only when it's faith in Christ. Faith alone in Jesus is what Paul teaches, and that goes right along with what James says. So we're gonna transition to James 2, 14 through 24 to see James' definition of faith. And it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? How can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by an action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was it not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together, or working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled when he said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. James' definition lines up with what Paul is teaching. Belief in one God, but James takes it to the next step that says it's not just about the faith. James, or yeah, James Church is on the extreme saying that they don't have to do anything because Christ has finished everything. James is warning about the checklist, James is warning about the lazy church, while Paul is warning about the checklist Christians. Neither is good. James describes a genuine believer that are doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. James is trying to get the point across that genuine, transforming, Christ-honoring faith not only should but will produce genuine good works, notable repentance, and obedient submission to Christ's lordship. Good works will be present in true believing faith. If the believer believes what Jesus did and how he is our savior, it will affect their lives. There will be a noticeable difference. If there is no difference, it's surface level at best and just knowledgeable, and you are on the same level with the demons. There is faith, there is a false faith that, this is the false faith that James and Paul are trying to describe. The lazy faith and the checklist faith. James challenges the people to show their faith by their works. He tells them that no works shows a false faith. Faith is, just not, faith is not just a matter of words, but a matter of beliefs followed by an action. If we have a real faith, Christ is bound to make a difference in our life. The power of the cross will change the believer's life. It will reflect the change of being made new and whole. But Christ never says that it will be easy. If anything, the Bible teaches us that our faith will be tried and tested. Paul earlier in his letter encourages the believer by saying, the one who successfully perseveres under testing, under testing is the one who does not let their own evil desires drag them into the downward spiral of sin and death. An action. 
The works we do as Christians help us mature in our sanctification process and move us closer to God. If we have faith, our Christian lifestyle will reflect this faith. However, we cannot be completely action-based. This is what Paul's warning us against. It's not about the actions we do, but how we respond to Christ's call. There are many places in the Bible that describe faithful people with their actions. Hebrews 11 is a list of just faithful servants. But all that is listed in this chapter have their faith described with an action. Abraham offering his son. Abraham's faith with an action. Noah building the ark. Noah with an action to follow. Their faith is seen in an action. Another one is found in Matthew 9, 19 through 22. This, this scripture is where we find a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and her faith is seen. And it says, Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Jesus is on his way to go heal another family. Um, and just, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I can touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. She was not healed when she touched the cloak. She was healed when Jesus acknowledged her faith. The woman was demonstrated, the woman demonstrated her faith through her actions. It says if she could only touch him, she knew he would, she would be healed. Her faith was a true Christ-honoring faith where she saw how powerful Jesus is and how he's the only one who can heal. The woman put her faith to action. She understood what she was doing and why she was doing it. She wanted to be healed and knew that Jesus was the only one who could heal her. The woman acted on her faith. It's that simple. I feel like today we overcomplicate the things in the Bible. There's no 12-step program on how to have faith. It's put your faith in Jesus and do what he says. It's that simple. We don't need to read into it or overcomplicate it. When we do such things, that's where we end up having a lack of faith. So Paul and James are focus, focusing on the Christian lifestyle. And we've seen that there's two options of our faith lifestyle that we should avoid. The first is we don't do anything. We become complacent on what Jesus has done for us. We are the lazy Christians. We get complacent in our faith, relying that Jesus has accomplished everything that there is, needs to be done, which is true in salvation. He has done everything. There's nothing we need to do, but not in our faith walk. We forget that we have to have an active, moving faith that requires us to respond. We can't be lazy Christians. The second is the action, our actions and words don't line up with what P 
people are saying and what they are doing. We become hypocrites. How we should live our life should point back to Christ. And this is what Paul is getting at. Looking at the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. What is our true intent? He sees actions that are Christless and self-serving. We want the recognition. We want to fill our schedules with the Christ-serving opportunities. We all volunteer on a Sunday. We will do whatever we need to do. We'll tithe extra. But we want that title for ourselves, or we want the credit for ourselves. We become a checklist Christian. And this is what Paul warns us against. So now I want to explain a little bit more of why both of these are so important to me. And that's because I have felt both the checklist Christian and the lazy Christianness. I have done both of them. So to start off with checklist Christian, um, when I first became a believer, I did everything I thought I needed to do. I went to church every Sunday. I did the Bible studies. I read my I read my Bible, not actually reading my Bible. And I thought I was a good Christian. On the outside, it looked like I had everything together and that I was doing what I needed to be doing. I wanted the reputation and the title of being a Christian. And I think growing up in Utah definitely played a factor into that. Utah is a very action-based society. You are as good as what you present. And that affected me way before I was even a Christian. I found my worth in my sports, in my school, and whatever I did is how good I was. And that leaked into my spirituality. How much effort I put in is how good of a Christian I was and how close I was to God. And that's not the case. Then I believed the lie where I realized I didn't need to do anything. Jesus accomplished everything. And so I went from doing everything to doing absolute nothing. And that's also not good. I didn't put enough effort into my relationship with God. I went from reading my Bible every day to reading it maybe once a week. Didn't pray at all. And that's not okay. I realized that I wanted to be in control and I wanted to establish how good I was. I wanted people to see what I was doing and recognize it. I wanted the glory for myself. And this is not being an obedient server of Christ. I said I believed, but my actions said otherwise. I deceived myself, and it wasn't until a good friend of mine called me out on it. They started asking me questions of, why are you not reading your Bible anymore? Or why are you reading it so much? What are you trying to get from it? Um, this really helped me because I understood that I wasn't reading the Bible to get close with God, or I wasn't having a faith to get close with God. It was trying to work my way to salvation, and you can't do that. I realized three simple points through this conversation with my friend. The first is when someone asks you to serve, check your heart intent. Do you actually want to do it, or are you just saying yes because you don't want to ruin your reputation? Or do you want that image that everyone can depend on you? What would happen to your reputation if you said no? 
Are you okay with that? The second, check with God. Ask him if this is actually what you should be doing. And if it is, ask him to give you the heart. If it's not, it leads into the third. Know that it's okay to say no. We all have a limit and we need to know ours. To close, I wanna tell you about a podcast I was listening to and it explains the faith in America today. This podcast is Francis Chan. Um, he definitely helped me in my early years of Christianity and I really, really enjoy his teachings. And his study said, if we have true faith in the Lord, our Christian lifestyle will reflect our faith. Having the true obedient faith is difficult and you have to check your heart intently, consistently. Just knowing the word is like being on that show, My 600 Pound Life. Have you guys seen it? <laughs> if we don't act upon our faith, we are just like them. Some of these people get to the point where they just sit on the couch, they can't get up, or they just sit in bed, and they just lay there. Someone else has to come in and feed them. They just lay there and move their mouths, waiting for others to feed them. They are solely dependent on other people. And this is just like the church. There are people here that are just like, feed me more of God's word. They're just sitting there waiting for others to feed them. This is me, by the way. I was one of those people. <laughs> and it's like we can't even go out on our own and live out the word anymore. We've gotten into the habit of hearing the words without acting upon it. And it's like eating without exercise. It's no good. And this is what James and Paul is warning us against. They're trying to prevent the church from becoming that 600 pound person, not being able to feed themselves or feed others. James is trying to protect us from letting our false faith lead, lead us down the wrong path and letting our life pass us by. So I invite you all to get off the couch and live a Christ honoring faith. You know, Satan is thrilled when we go to church, hear the word, and leave and do nothing. But what's worse is we leave believing that we have accomplished something. We're doing Satan's job for him. When we do this, we're not sharing God's love like we're supposed to. Therefore, we need actions of the word and not just knowing it. We can't just hear it and not do anything about it. If we don't have any actions, how are we different from the rest of the world? If we're going to Bible studies or church service, but not doing, about doing anything to apply it to our lives, then what's the point? When we act is when we grow in our faith and mature in our faith. So I invite you all to get off the couch and live your faith every day. Let your actions show your faith. We all bow your heads with me and pray. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us.
Let your truth set in for each of us and only your truth, Lord. Give us the courage and guidance to do your, to do your will and help us be motivated to move for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and the Lord, you do love us and that you did come and you died for us. And these things in this song, we believe, we believe these pieces, but, but Lord, belief is not just something that stays in our minds. It's not just uh, an ascent to, to, to facts. Lord, uh, in order for salvation to come, in order for us to enjoy the reconciliation of relationship, we have to put our trust in those beliefs, Lord. That's what faith is. It's an understanding, but it's also uh, living it out. It's a worship. It's a, a, a recognizing that it's not just beliefs, but it's also uh, living a life where we are putting our faith and trust in you. We are dependent on you for our salvation, and we choose to proclaim you everywhere we go and the way that we live, seeking to be obedient to you, seeking to show you how much we love you and how much we appreciate what you've done for us. So Lord, help us uh, to do that more fully this week. Lord, I thank you again for Callie and the message that you spoke to us this morning. Continue to encourage and bless her, but Lord, also continue to challenge us. Uh, reveal to us those, those uh, uh, seasons in our life where we become checklist Christians and we're just going through the motions instead of really recognizing our love for you and allowing that to motivate all that we do. But also, Lord, keep us from being those lazy Christians as well where we just sit back and just uh, trust in grace and grace alone without ever you know, recognizing our need to, to worship again and to get out and do it. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for being here with us. And thank you for speaking to us this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Uh, we would love to pray for you. If you would like prayer for healing or for anything else that's going on, please come forward and allow us to pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful afternoon of fellowship here for a little bit. Make sure you sign up for Encore, sign up for uh, the, the uh, graduation potluck as well. God bless. <laughs>